Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome back, my friend, to Chasing Poker Greatness, the podcast that brings you wisdom, insights, and inspiration from the greatest minds in the game of poker, all in their own words. I'm your host and founder of Enhance Your Edge, Brad Wilson, and in today's episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down for a talk with an all-time poker legend and future Hall of Famer, Dan Jungleman Cates. As poker's version of Alexander the Great, Jungle Man has conquered pretty much all there is to conquer in the poker world at the ripe old age of 29. At 21 years old, he accepted the Durr Challenge and blistered Mr. Duan so badly that the challenge still hasn't been completed nine years later. He's racked up $7 million plus in poker tournaments despite spending the majority of his time battling in high-stakes cash games and most likely has a dragon or two guarding the entrance of the vault of riches he's won in said cash games. He's been documented in playing as big as 6k, 12k in Bobby's room, but I think I can safely say that where there exists the biggest cash game in the world, there's almost always a jungle man lurking. He is, without a doubt, one of the most feared and respected poker players in the game today. During our conversation, you'll learn the concept of reverse game selection and how Jungle used that tactic as rocket fuel to surge through the online ranks, the importance of overcoming your emotions that cloud your logic on the felt, why working by yourself is inferior to using the knowledge of other people, and much, much more. So sit back and listen to how an introverted 17-year-old kid with a video game obsession became one of poker's living legends before hitting the big 3-0. Without any further ado, I bring to you my conversation with Dan Jungleman Cates. Jungle, welcome to the show. Nice to have you, my man. Thank you. Um, I'm glad to be glad to be on the show. Appreciate it, sir. So, in my research on you, I learned one thing that was very surprising. That you're only 29 years old, which is like insane to me because you, it feels like you've been around just forever. And, you know, the dirt challenge feels like forever ago to me and that, you know, you were 20 years old and uh, just knowing everything you've accomplished in the poker world, I, I want to kind of dig into the journey, you know, the the beginning of your story. I know I know that you, you started um, grinding small stakes like everybody has to. And you used reverse game selection effectively to make yourself better. Could you tell me about that and your early growth? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, when I first started, I mean, I was always like when I was playing, I was always like a battler. Uh, when I was playing other video games or whatever, I was always like a battler. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, I just always liked to play. And I didn't really like the idea of having to sit out uh, against people and like admit that they're better than me. Uh, I always... Uh, thought I could be better than them. And it's like, if I lost, I was always thinking, ah, I can beat them. I, I just do these things and that kind of stuff. Uh, what exactly do you want to know about it? 
the breakthrough, right? I know you, you battled, like you said, you're a battler and by battler, you mean you just took on all comers, right? You just wanted to play the, the best players, the breakthroughs that you made in those, that first couple of years where you kind of went from 25 cent, 50 cent to like 25, 50. Um, I think it was a little bit fortunate in that I happened to be ahead of the curve in 2550. Uh, like when I first started, because like I'd already played sit and goes a lot. And it turns out it just happened that there was a lot of money in those games. Uh, when I was doing that, if, if like someone like watched Card Runners, like applied, that's what I did. I, I watched Card Runners and applied the strategy. It was like pr- not, it wasn't anywhere near as hard as it, as, as it is today. Um, so I was pretty fortunate to be ahead of the curve in that way. And, um, uh, at least when I first started and it was fortunate that car runners was so ahead of the game at that time. One thing I want to say about battling is that uh, I didn't, it wasn't 100%. I I think in the beginning and for a while I was battling everyone all the time. Uh, there were points where I hit downswings where I decided that I wasn't going to play people that were beating me for quite a lot or that I like feared were better than me. Or, or play them to less degree. Like if you always play the best players, no matter what your bankrolls it is or whatever, then it's uh, it's not usually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna not gonna end up well. Yeah, uh, if you if you have like you know like one buy into your name and you go out and play uh, <laughs> like whoever is, is is like really good, it's not gonna end up well. So you have to like still consider uh, bankroll management and all these sorts of things. And yeah, I uh, yeah, I was very stubborn. I was very, I was a stubborn cunt. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like when you are doing well, and if you want to, like, you know, play higher stakes or get better, uh, one of the things it, it, at some point you have to start playing better players. I mean, like studying and stuff will ha- will actually help more these days. I would think uh, in the past. Uh, I think that there was more value in playing those players. Uh, now I think things are so theoretical that studying matters a lot. Speaking on that, you know, that, that resonates with me a lot because I have a, a friend of mine, Adam Creek, he's an Olympic gold medalist and uh-huh. he was battling. Um, he was the fastest rower in Canada for a long time. And he was, he started getting his ass kicked um, by one of his teammates and he finally just broke and said, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to talk to him and figure out what he's doing. And his teammate, you know, they went to lunch. He asked him and his teammate said, well, my training is like this. Once a week I I go to the gym, I train and I push my body beyond what it's capable of. I I find, I I go until my body breaks. I'm finding my limit. And then the rest of the week he hovers right below that limit, right? For growth. And he just is constantly finding those limits. So I think that, in your way, you know, you're battling the best and that's, you know, that's your breaking point, right? That's, right. Those, those are the guys that are, that are taking you to the limit and then you hover around that. Yeah. And it's an excellent way to grow. Yeah. Um, I think there is also like something to be said about like when you play poker, it's not purely like, a, it's not purely, you know, uh, all logic in, in some ways. Uh, it, when you're actually performing at poker, there are like different, there are ways in which you, you know, you, your emotions come into play and stuff like that. It's not exactly easy to read a chart and then go play exactly that chart um, or like study some principles or whatever uh, and then go and like apply them perfectly when like emotions are at play. So like when you do play the best, you like kind of, you tend to overcome, you're more likely to overcome those emotional barriers. 
and things like that, or adjust your your emotional intelligence accordingly, which I think uh, is less obvious because no one really thinks of things. No, no one really thinks of improvement in this kind of way. I think it's not very common, uh, but it definitely like poker is not purely like a logical thing uh, in terms of mm, in terms of a few things, uh, especially with regards to your own performance. Hundred percent, and emotions are often way more powerful than rational, logical thought. They can they can overwhelm. Poker is an extremely emotional game, right? Yeah, that's I've never thought about that, but that's actually gold right there. You you have no choice but to deal with your emotions uh, when yeah. you're pushing yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like one subtle thing, for example, is I feel like a lot of guys don't really like you know, they get like scared and don't run a bluff or something like that. And you kind of have to like deal with that emotionally. Like there's some like emotional intelligence aspect to that, uh, where you have to like confront, you know, the fear of like running a bluff and getting called like quite a lot or running a bluff against a really good player or whatever getting called. Um, and the only way to do that really is through practice and through like overcoming that fear. Yeah. The immersive process. Have you, um, I know that, everyone's you know i'm sure you you still deal with the emotions at the poker table right in these these moments have you kind of systemized the process for um emotional growth and if so like what does that look like uh no i haven't done that (laughs) i wish i knew how to do that i do not know how to do that um all i know is that is pushing your comfort zone uh definitely helps that that is maybe one of the biggest things i guess keep pushing it I'm trying to think. I mean, I think it can be more complicated than that. Uh, but I, I like, I'm no expert with this. Yeah. Just, I think that that was like a, a very like subtle factor and why like some people didn't like uh, do as well as others, even though like, even though like intellectually they were smart enough or whatever. Yeah. It's just, I just think it's an important factor. I asked, I talked with Matt Berkey a few days ago and he was talking about all the self-actualization and, coaching he did with Elliot Rowe and just all of these emotional mindset things that you just really have to have, especially if you want to play at, you know, seven figure pots, for instance. Um, (laughs) Because if you don't have that, uh, you're just going to jump off a cliff, right? (laughs) You know, you're going to be suicidal all the time. You have to learn how to cope. For sure. So coming up, you know, Victor Blom, you you had an incident with him where you kind of hurt you early on and then within a year you threw your hat in the ring with the dirt challenge from an outsider you know i'm a poker player and i'm in the grind especially back then every single day there are very few things that have gotten me excited to watch poker uh the one drop was super exciting to me and the dirt challenge was like kind of a spectacle how how did it feel to throw your hat in the ring there to challenge him it felt pretty good at the time i was very like uh, very, I remember I was very excited about it, egotistical. Kind of have to be, I think. Mm, I don't know if we if if you have to be, but I think it's hard not to be. Let's put it like that. That's one of my one of the topics that's interested interested me more in general was uh, um, how like the ego and like it being yeah ego and, and I, I've been trying to diminish it lately. It's like kind of a tricky uh, concept. Um, if you've ever read books by Eckhart Tolle, uh, I'm reading New Earth now. There's some interesting ideas in there, and some like he he has some explanations for 
for like a number of like interpersonal problems that have to do with the ego. Anyway, that's another subject. It's fine. If you want to want to expand on Eckhart Tolle, I'm uh, I love that side of things too. Uh, sure. I, I haven't finished the book yet. I read like a third of the book, something like that, of New Earth, and and the other book I read a long time ago, and was like kind of halfway on page or something like that. Uh, but these days are more like thinking more about those sorts of topics. Uh, it seems that like he suggests that all bad behavior stems from the ego. And maybe that's the truth, uh, which is a really like powerful concept because if that's the case, then that's like a pretty solid step towards like eliminating uh, bad ego. Like in fact, in, in Catholicism, apparently the original sin, the first sin was basically uh, ego uh, existing. And anyway, like he'll, he'll like ex- go into explaining why like many like parents are, disconnected with their children um, in terms of ego. Like a lot of the time, for example, like a parent will feel like, will feel like a little bit, uh, will get angry at a child because like they like have this in the mindset that they're the parent and they know that their their ego has this in the mind that they're the parent, they know what's best for the kid. And he he would give a much better explanation. And that uh, like when the child didn't meet those expectations, like the ego would basically uh, get upset and then, that would be taken out on the kid in some ways that uh, would would be not healthy. He explains this far better. Anyway, uh, they always the experts always do. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially in a like written book that he's like organized and read. Some of his explanations for uh, a lot of the, the problems in today uh, seem pretty accurate, or uh, yeah, they seem accurate and like quite useful. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to to the poker, I don't. I think it could have been done without ego, but it seems like sort of a subtle, a subtle like thing to master. Let's put it that way. What was your other question? I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You're 20 years old. If you had mastered your ego at 20 years old, I mean, that that's just you know, I, I was. I'm very confident in saying that at 20 years old, I was a huge, massive fucking idiot. Like. There was no self-actualization, just very immature, um, especially emotionally. Uh, yeah, uh, I was too, for sure. So also, you know, you've mentioned before that you were kind of a loner as you were rising through the ranks. Do you think that yeah. was valuable and helpful at the time? Um, or if you could go back, would you do it a different way? I think it was and it wasn't. Uh, I think actually maybe in my case it, it was because the problem with being a loner, the, the main problem with being one, so there's there's a plus and minus, plus and uh, minus side of this. I don't really think, it's just, I think uh, being more interested in my in my own little like self-development things is useful, but being a loner is not particularly good. Uh, so let's, let's look at it like this. Um, so if you were not, if you were someone who had like a lot of friends and you derived a lot of value in your life from that, probably what would happen is in something that's more like something that's more like having to do with yourself, like your career, um, you'll probably, uh, lose, you'll probably be lacking relative to someone who is introverted 
in that area because you'll be thinking more about like these other people and, and your relationships with those people and that kind of thing. So I think in that kind of way, it helped. And in fact, like a lot of C CEOs, like extroversion doesn't really help. Um, and openness actually doesn't help for CEOs. This is uh, something I read relative, relatively recently, which is interesting. But I think it hurt in that it hurts in that if you have no one to give you some perspective or no one to like help you, uh, then that can it can certainly hurt, but hurt in that way because definitely working by yourself is not a good idea. It, working by yourself is, is far inferior to using the knowledge uh, of other people and you know the perspectives of other people, which is uh, a bit more subtle because sometimes you get stuck in your own head about thinking something in a certain way and it can like really blind you if uh, you only think of something from one perspective. So, but I don't really have that second problem because from, I didn't have that second problem as much because I always like looked online and like tried to learn through courses and stuff like that, which solves that problem. So yeah, just naturally I had more, uh, more, what's the word? I had more motivation towards learning, which is the helpful side of, uh, of being a loner, you could say. Right. And being so like such a voracious learner, I think says a lot about your ego too, and that you were, you were humble and hungry still, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and what, what you're saying about, uh, being extroverted, basically it's diffusing the focus, right? From yeah. what the task at hand, it diffuses the focus to other areas so that you're not, as it not, not able to, you know, be the best at that you're, you can possibly be. Um, I don't think that, that, you know, someone who's extroverted is, is not able to, I just think it'll be harder because, you know, they're, you know, they get, they're more interested in, dinner <laughs> yeah or whatever or like going out to party or golfing like partying yeah social stuff right yeah you've also mentioned that that you've grown since the dirt challenge began like as a player did that that yeah. voracious learning it just has continued over time and, and still today uh i've gone through uh different periods actually like in 2015 i struggled a lot and then, like, during that time, I wasn't really using Sims or anything like that. And, like, I, uh, uh, since I was struggling, I, like, one day I was like, all right, fine, we'll do let's take a look at these Sims. What, what's up here? Um, so, like, at that point, like, every time I, like, looked into there, I started learning new things. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I really didn't know, like, a lot of different things. And some of this stuff is, is basically brilliant. So, at that point, I was, like, very voracious. But there are other points where I wasn't because... And this, this also goes back to the whole thing of getting caught up in your own little perspective when there are other perspectives that are better. Because like, had I just stayed in the perspective of, of, of where I was when I was losing in 2015, I probably wouldn't be the player that I am now. But uh, yeah, if you look at things from different perspectives, it's very helpful. Um, if you find the right like lens in which to, to approach learning um, is the way I kind of think of it. So... Yeah, there I adjusted my lens in a sense, and uh, I realized I had a lot to learn, so I was very voracious in that. But there are periods where I've gotten very complacent because, or like preoccupied with other things, and I haven't been as voracious. Uh, it was more so like when, when I was starting out or like learning a game or something like that, or uh, like that Sims is a big one. But certainly, you want to be, you certainly you want to be really into what you're learning. If, uh, if you want to make some progress.
was there a catalyst to look in the Sims? Was it just losing or what, did you have a friend that suggested it or maybe somebody else w- was doing Sims? Yeah, it was, it was like a mix of those things, but nothing specific. Uh, and it was just, uh, um, one day I was thinking, yeah, maybe I should, uh, work on my game a little bit. So just <laughs> hanging out it's more like an accumulation. I mean, speaking of what you said earlier, you know, the poker journey can be very isolating. Um, yeah. if, if, especially if you're alone, because a lot of the emotions that you feel, you think you're the only one that feels them, right? A lot yeah. of the, the downsides of poker, but then you talk to people, you meet other poker players that are playing at a, at a high level and you, you realize, Oh, like this is a very common issue. This is a very common feeling. Like I'm not alone, you know, and that there's power in that. Oh, for sure. Matter of fact, actually, that was an interesting topic for me because when I was younger, I always imagined like that I was like different and nothing would ever work for me. And uh, like I couldn't learn things because blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, other people. How much younger? When I was, I mean, I've been gradually, it's about uh, when I was like 20 or whatever uh, or 17. And then like as I got older, I realized that, you know, a lot of the problems that I thought were unique to me were a lot of people a lot of people they were surprisingly common with a lot of different people and i realized and you know what the weird thing was is they weren't even like they weren't even necessarily like correlated with their own traits to some extent they were like you would just see them in in different people in all sorts of different ways that you just wouldn't think would really work together it was like a lot of the traits of people didn't really like totally align like um i don't know how to say I don't know how I'm trying to think of some examples, but more like basically the point was a lot of the problems uh, that you had. Firstly, people were existed in a lot of different people, even in greater extremes and that a lot of the same doubts existed. And it seemed as though uh, a lot of, there was a lot more potential to learn than it actually appeared um, because all those things were, uh, like essentially, I mean, all the doubts were just basically the, the, they're all basically the same. And even the resistance, the resistances were the same, but a different form. So that was like quite a growing revelation that I had that helped me. I think ultimately one thing I think I, one thing I did want to mention is that again, is that a big thing that I think holds a lot of people back and poker and in anything is just getting stuck in like one, one way of looking at things. There are multiple different ways of looking at things. And a lot of times the it's like if you like looking at it in like in terms of an optic lens, like you'll, if you're trying to figure out what the letters are from far away using one lens, uh, it will be it can be very hard, uh, but and you won't be able to maybe even. But if you adjust the lens a bit in some sort of direction, sometimes the answers can be a lot more clear and that's a lot more helpful sometimes than just like sheer practice, if that makes sense. So I thought that might be a useful uh, way, useful thing for the audience to, to think about is like, are they thinking of things in a way that's really helpful or the better ways to think about things? That kind of line of thinking. Yeah. It's super, super helpful. And do you know how to, you know, part of part of the problem here is an awareness that there is a problem, or an awareness that somebody's stuck in this feed, feedback loop that they need to break out of. How yes. how how would they go about gaining awareness that there is even a problem in the first place? Uh, that's a very good question. They would. Uh, I mean, well, there are basically uh, 
In poker, it's a little bit more difficult because the feedback isn't direct. But uh, I mean, there will be signs, of course. First of all, like they won't be doing as well, generally speaking. Ultimately, they won't be doing as well. Secondly, like people will say things to them like, I don't know if you will play this well, like that kind of thing. There will be a number of signs like that. Poker does provide some feedback, ultimately. It would be helpful for them to look at like the to use a very rationalist approach in poker specifically. Well, in, uh, in terms of what I mean by that is to try to break down as things as much as possible uh, to at the smallest points to see like, does the logic work? Does the logic work in all like aspects of their game and like with what's going on, if that makes sense, because if it doesn't, that will result in like some sort of uh, lack of efficiency or whatever um, that will like help to find leaks at the very least. The I- issue that I always find in folks is, you know, it's weird to say, like, I, I know that there are some people who are predisposed or innately better at poker than other people, right? That sort of sure. have, have this ability to kind of break things down at a very granular level. Um, what if, you don't have that innate ability. I mean, is it like poker forums, immerse yourself, asking questions to the ether? How would you go about that? I don't even know like what exactly does innate ability mean in this case. Like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> I was hoping you would know. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, let me think. I, I do think really examining all the little, oh, one thing that I think matters a lot, but I don't, um, that I found I did naturally was just that I don't that I think would help with innate ability is just looking at like every single uh, decision point you make. Uh, it would be like I think it would be a really arduous task for a lot of people to like say like was this raise pre flop right or did did, did could I have check raised the river? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that yeah. kind of thing. Ten um, different sizings, analyzing each different sizing. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have to use ten, but uh, yeah, yeah, there are just, like roughly three sizes you can use in most situations. Yeah, but like if you go through all those little little things, it, it would be a bit of a pain in the ass. But I think eventually that would develop like some kind of intu- intuition for poker. Yeah, so maybe that answer will help you. I mean, definitely ask talking to other people helps to some extent, but at some point you have to figure out like who actually knows what they're talking about, which is another problem. You have to like kind of do a lot of trial and error with a number of things, basically. Yeah, you have to do a lot of trial and error, and you, you kind of have to figure out who, who knows what they're talking about. That's like quite important before you start listening to people. Yes, because bad bad feedback can be just worse than no feedback at all, uh, depending yeah. on where it comes from. But yeah, I think I think go ahead. I was just going to talk about the art, you know, it being arduous to break break this down. That may be the case, but in a lot of ways, you know, this is the barrier to entry, right? This is the barrier yes. barrier to entry to improve your game, and if you want to. If you want to find success at poker, it's what you have to do. Yeah, no, that's for sure true. I mean, like the the more something is is worth the results, the the greater barrier entry will be. Uh, that's just that's just the way it's going to be. And there's always like some cost of like trying to uh, trying to to achieve it. Um, I mean, definitely some people will be more natural at others, or whatever that means, or better at others to 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 do that. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just how it is. On the same token, even if some people have more natural skill, that doesn't mean that you know you're not capable of getting better and improving and reaching that skill level if you work hard. Um, actually, like a number of players, even like in the more recent days, ages or whatever for poker, like 
didn't really even have that much natural skill, but just worked really hard. Uh, like, like they, and they like superseded guys with a lot of natural skill. Like for example, Victor Blom, I mean, like he's got a lot of natural skill, but he just like, you know, can't, it didn't sit down and like study or whatever. And like he played people who worked their asses off and didn't have as much natural skill as he did. And then they beat him through discipline and through other things that matter poker besides like whatever, like X factor, uh, makes him like a genius at poker. And I lied, by the way, that's another time that I've watched poker and kind of been enthralled was the Victor Blom blow up back in the day. Yeah. Uh, him four tabling heads up against like all the top guys at the same time is like just an insane. <laughs> and like, I mean, obviously that didn't end up working out very well for him, but yeah, those guys, uh, the card runners crew, the Hastings and, um, Brian Townsend, they, uh, Hastings was the guy that kind of took him down, right? Yeah, I think Hastings was. Yeah. What's uh, what's something you're really bad at that would surprise people? I can tell you that I like flunked out of a, a computer science class called basically about game theory when I was uh, in college. <laughs> I, 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 I took the class twice and didn't pass it, <laughs> uh, which is pretty embarrassing. Uh, like, <laughs> it had nothing to do with poker at all. Nothing. Yeah. But, you know, game theory, probably people think that I'm good at in some capacity, yes, but not in terms of, like, formal educational knowledge. Yeah, just poker-specific game theory, which I will go out on a limb and assume that that's the one that matters the most for you and your career. Um, Well, I mean, there are aspects of game theory that aren't really relevant to poker. Like, for example, building, like, they had you, like, prove some conjectures by... A few different methods and things like that. Uh, and it just doesn't have like anything to do with poker. You never have to do that. I like to, I, yeah, I like to imagine I'm good at other games too, but who knows? I'm sure you are. And another aspect of this, uh, of flunking the game theory is like you're playing poker. I, I would assume a lot of poker. Um, again, focus is diffused. If your focus was clearly on that or improving in any other game, I have no doubt that you would just crush it. Oh, well, thanks. Not really going out of limb there, I don't think. What is up, you future star of poker, you? Coach Brad here, and I just wanted to take a moment to let you know about PKC Poker. If you're sitting there wondering to yourself, why? Why is Coach Brad promoting this PKC Poker app thing? Allow me a moment to explain my why. Battling in cash games has been my livelihood for the past 15 years. It's how I survive and put food on the table for my family, which makes it imperative that I either test out or seek qualified opinions on all of the poker platforms on the market. One juicy find can mean the difference between a meh year and an amazing family vacation in Hawaii kind of year. With that said, I have tried almost all of the major poker apps on the market to date, and despite the hype about amazingly juicy games, have come away from the experience unsatisfied. I was just never able to find success against seemingly weak competition and in one specific case was getting outright destroyed by passive villains playing more than 50% of their hands. What on earth was going on, right? After many evenings sitting in the bathtub wondering if I had lost it, I finally dug into the data and learned something that shouldn't have been too surprising to you. These dudes were colluding and super using their pants off. 
So I swore off those free money, decentralized, devil apps and decided to go back to my more familiar streets of ignition. It was then that I was contacted by a good friend of mine who turned out to be the vice president of worldwide operations at PKC. Him and I had a long, in-depth conversation about security, the ecosystem, and the future direction of PKC, and he managed to convince me to give it a shot. That shot turned into an incredible six months with an hourly rate that's about five times what it would have been playing on any other US platform. As it turns out, I didn't forget how to play. I just needed to be on a level playing field to return to my crushing weights. I have no doubt that you, my community, my audience is going to play online poker somewhere. And I want to be damn sure that you don't go through the pain and frustration I felt by messing around with any poker app besides PKC. This is why promoting PKC is a no-brainer for me. I love you, I love my community, and I want to put you in the best position to succeed at this game that we both love so much. So if you'd like to join me in the streets of PKC, simply head to enhanceyouredge.com slash pkcpod and get your invite code to play. You must have an invite code to play and you must be 21 years of age or older. One more time, that's enhanceyouredge.com slash pkcpod to get your invite code. Best of luck, and now, on with the show. What, what would you say, like today, your process for improving your poker game? What does that look like? Is it Sims? Is there any, any way to break it down? Um, yeah, Sims would be helpful for a lot of spots. So, like, for example, if I mean, there are a number of situations that you know are, uh, are good. And, and this goes back to the whole, like, analyzing every decision point you make. So this is what I would do. I would, uh, like, for example, if you raise aces in any position, like, that's going to be okay. You, you, you know that fucking raising aces in early position is going to be okay. But every time you're unsure of a decision to, like, write it down or make a note of it and then look through the sims and see uh, what you're supposed to do in the sims and, like, think about, like, the other players' exploitative tendencies or whatever. If you do that, if you keep doing that, you're going to get answers. Um, so, uh, I would say do that for every single time. You're not sure about something. You're not 100% sure about something. If it's like, even like, like if you want to be really perfectionist, even like if you're 5% unsure or like 10% or whatever, and eventually you'll get better if you keep doing that. Yeah, you, you have to. I love that. And another way to frame it is perhaps if you are at a decision point and multiple decision points look similar, that's, that's a prime spot to hop in and start studying that spot uh yeah that's true too those are those are tough spots i would say i would generally lean with decision that exploits the other players uh tendencies uh more in those sorts of situations yeah i'm trying to think of a a simple situation that that there's there are some decision points uh that matter a lot i mean then it's not hard to come up with them uh in terms of like if you're playing some hands it's not going to take long for something be a little bit less clear like if you flop like certain middle pair on a board are you gonna bet it or check it or or whatever if you're, if you're like out of position do you bet small on the river or do you bet big or you check or or go for check raise like all those sorts of things and, and yeah like like you said they're very easy to come up with when you're playing because they happen over and over and over at least they do to me every poker session yeah. that i play um yeah. there's always always room que- questions right and areas yeah. to work on. What's some, some common poker advice you hear that you just disagree with? Oh, um, here's one, but I disagree with it, but it ends up hurting me because 
of whatever. Uh, I hear a lot about people like talking about like getting away from like get away getting away from like tough spots or like big hands or something like that or like they're like saying like uh they there could be better they want to wait for better spots it's not really accurate but there is truth to that statement in a lot of situations uh more so with investments actually it's like hurt me with investments a bit mm. It's more like it's a perspective that's not really precise, but that works a lot in situations and it does tend to work more in tournaments like that kind of mindset helps a lot in tournaments. But uh, in cash games, it's it's not a good mindset. Yeah. In cash games, that does not work. Yeah, because cash games, is just like a plus EV or minus EV decision. It doesn't yeah. really matter what happens. You always take the plus EV. In a tournament, yeah, yeah. in a tournament, maybe you can have a small edge, but you can exploit the shit out of three guys on your left by raising in the dark or three betting or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned investments. How's how's your investment game? Uh, <laughs> define how the word how. <laughs> <laughs> net net positive career or net negative career? Positive emotions. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was going the financial side but uh emotional side uh we're, we're working on it we're working. <laughs> room for growth yeah there, there's room for improvement yeah let's put it like that uh yeah my investments have not gone very well and then i just like got too caught up in all these like spicy ideas and whatever and like uh didn't really like factor in things you don't have to factor in in poker, like liquidity and exit plan. Like those things matter a lot because sometimes like the exit plan is like, you, you is like, there is none. <laughs> and you're just, your investing money is just stuck in, in the investment thing. You're like, Oh, why did I do that? I should invest less. And it's like super easy to be results oriented and all this stuff. Well, I mean, like we said, you're 29, you're young, right? These are lessons, lessons that are going to improve um, your investing career over time. Yeah, you mentioned in an interview about one of your values being growth, uh, yes, growth and ambition. And I had a question: um, Do you ever sit down at games where you feel like you're a dog in the game nowadays? And um, basically, the reason I asked that is because you know, if you're the top of the food chain in all the games you're playing in, there's really no motivation for growth. Um, I, I, uh, I, I will say that, uh, yeah, I've lost some motivation for poker for a couple of reasons in particular. I can't really do anything more with it. Um, I go, who cares if I'm going to be like a little bit richer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like ultimately I like, what do I want to like play this like rat race where, uh, I'm trying to like get the, get the most money. Like what's the point? Um, and even then it seems like kind of, a it seemed I, I ultimately realized it was basically like running like a different version of rat race by like just trying to play all the time and make as much money as possible and so i've like lost a little bit of motivation um not that much in terms of uh in whatever because still like the money's useful and whatever but now i've like been pursuing other areas of interest a bit and not like worrying as much about the ev of of like what i do so much like if you look at life in terms of like what the ev uh, you like what your ev is per day in terms of like dollar amounts that is like certainly not the perfect perspective no matter who you are i would think because certainly there are values to a lot of other things uh in basically every way and other values that even translate into money if you have to look at things in terms of money that yeah basically that matter more 
or matter or matter aside from money. Money matters, of course, but um, you know other things matter as well. And it's kind of goal setting. Uh, goal setting one hundred and one is like you want to you want to set emotional goals, right? Like being the best, beating the best. These emotional goals are, are drive us, and money is sort of like a toxic goal. Um, just the blind pursuit of more money, and especially as related to growing, like as a poker player you you need to have an emotional reason as to why whether it's to be the best take care of your family or whatever it is yeah um i think uh I, to be honest i think that trying to become the absolute best something like that related to related to i ultimately came to the conclusion that trying to come to to become like something like the absolute best or something along those there's some subtlety to it because like it can be like a relatively good thing, but like basically it's not a perfect goal to try to do that. Uh, It's, it's like, it's like if you devote so much energy to trying to become the absolute best uh, other ways uh, in other ways of life will suffer Uh, like that in and of itself is not like, is not a perfectly healthy goal. Let's put it like that in my opinion if you're trying to make a little bit more money or try to like get better and move up in stakes, I think that probably is close to being a healthy goal. And maybe if you just like keep setting, like I'm, I'm going to try to do something better. Like the, uh, let's, let's rephrase like this. I think if you rephrase the goal of trying to become the best into something like, I'm just going to try to do uh, better. I mean, I'm just going to try to push myself every single day uh, to, to raise stakes. Uh, like that's a more, it's, it's a healthier goal. Let's put it like that. And more quantifiable. Basically, just try to be your best self every day, day after day after day after day. Uh, yeah, that that that's a good simplification. Yes. If if you could, that that kid that was uh, grinding his way at the stakes, the loner that's on card card runners. If you could give him some wisdom retroactively, what would you tell him? That's a good question because, like, you, you could give people wisdom in ways that you know, is good in theory, but not necessarily for them at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. Yeah. Like it's sort of like, it's more of like, there's an exploitative strategy in terms of like what wisdom is best for someone at that time, uh, compared to like, what's the best wisdom in theory for them at that time. Uh, in my case, I think I would have liked to like pursue other avenues within poker, uh, earlier, and looked at other ways of making money besides just like grinding or excuse me, just grinding on full tilt. Like one of the big mistakes I made was never like playing on Euro sites or whatever until it was like too late. And I would have made a ton more money, which may seem counterintuitive to some of the other things I said about like, you know, not focusing too much on money, but uh, in this is kind of like the exploitative uh, thing for me to say. And like making more money is not exactly a bad thing. Uh, It's just more, uh, it's bad thing when other areas suffer. Uh, a simple example to that is when, you know, when some like there's a point when if you want to make some more and more, more money that you want to like betray your friends. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably not very good. And by probably, I mean, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Basically scamming all things relative to each other appropriately. I, there and- are multiple, huh? That's just an awesome insight. I'm just thinking about that insight as far as like exploitative, wisdom to the person that you were because i i talked to another friend of mine um dgaff you know i asked him that question and he was like well 
I would give myself the advice to save my money better and to create other avenues as far as revenue streams. He's like, but the problem is like, I got that advice. <laughs> like other people gave him that advice at the time. And he was just like, his ego wouldn't accept it. Right. He thought, Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be making 500 K a year playing poker forever. Um, who needs multiple income streams. Right. So I love right. the, uh, you know, there's some wisdom that is great wisdom, but at the time that person's not going to accept it. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's it, it's very relevant in raising children, actually, um, because like to raise children is like, um, and I don't know much about raising children, except that it's like relevant to like it, it's relevant to dealing with people in general. Uh, even though like people can be childish in some ways and be mature in other ways, uh, and you know you ha- when you're like dealing with people pro- appropriately, you have to like kind of like it, it, there's there's quite some skill in uh, dealing with people appropriately. Uh, both mature and childish. Like sometimes you can like overcompensate with some details in, in dealing with mature people. Like you can like caress their ego too much when it's like not necessary and it wastes time. And then uh, conversely, you can like not caress someone's ego when they're immature, when, you know, now they won't listen to you. <laughs> when it's not, not helpful. Yeah. It's, it's reading the room, having emotional intelligence. Yes. You've mentioned a couple of books in this conversation. If you could gift uh, my audience one book, what book would you would you gift them? I think uh, I think New Earth lately is pretty good. I think that's something that they, that's very logical for a lot of the readers to to read and to see why like many of the to see more clearly why like the ego is you know a big problem in uh, today's society. He does ask like a very large and daunting task of like removing the ego. Like it's actually a huge huge task. But I think a lot of the things he says gets people thinking uh, in the right path. By Eckhart Tolle, if I didn't say that, um, that would be the the one book that the first book on my mind that I would recommend. Nice, and I'll I'll also give a book too after this conversation that kind of came to me on those lines of the ego and dealing with people is a book called Leadership and Self Deception by the Arbinger Institute. And oh, um, I haven't heard of that book. I'll write it down. Yeah, it is just an amazing book on relationships with other people and how how effectively like the ego comes into play. And the, the example that they use in the book is like you're asleep in bed, right? And you're next to your wife and it's a neutral situation. Like you love your wife. You think highly of her. Um, your baby's in the other room. You have a, an important meeting in the morning and the baby starts crying and you're like, ah, you, you lay there. You don't immediately go do it because you're like, oh, my wife's going to wake up. She's going to take care of it. She knows that I have an important meeting in the morning and she doesn't get up. Right. So you're just like kind of laying there and faking it. And then like your neutral feelings or feelings of love to your wife, they start changing after you deceive yourself by not getting up. You start thinking, yeah. oh, my wife's lazy. She doesn't care that I have a meeting. And then you start projecting all these things. And then before, yes. you, before you know it, these things manifest um, in other yes. areas of life. Right. And that's, a, by the way, um, the manifestations of that are uh, immature versions of communication. Uh, the mature version of communication is to like say something like, um, well, the, the first thing is, is to not have that expectation. The second thing is to like, to not have, yeah, to not have that expectation and like hold on to it if she like doesn't do it or find some other way to handle it. The But the mature thing to do is say like, hey, can you please is literally just to say like, Hey, can you please do these things? Because I'm busy tomorrow. 
and like uh, this would really help me a lot or whatever, something like that. Instead of like expecting her to do it, knock it up, and then be like, well, you're you're fucking lazy or whatever, or something like <laughs> right. that. Later on, now that you're irritated because she didn't do something that you expected her to do, and like she didn't know that was the expectation. And this goes back again to, uh, well, more self-help. Um, the four agreements is one of the four agreements is don't make, is don't make assumptions. Um, assumptions can be very toxic. Yes. Assumptions are expectations. Well, maybe you can, it's kind of subtle because I think you can make them as long as you don't get like attached to them. You don't get like, uh, you can, you can sort of make, yeah, you can make assumptions, but adults like, hold on to them and get like salty when they're they're wrong or something like this yeah you can make assumptions that are like lowercase t truths right that are subject to evaluation um that you just don't hold to yes yeah so just a couple more questions and we'll get you out of here man um let's project into the future a bit maybe 15 years what accomplishments will you have added to your resume and they can be poker or non-poker related I think uh, I'd like to do something that's non-poker related. Uh, I personally prefer to do something more, uh, more having to do with like myself uh, or myself as like a, a personal uh, myself as like a personality, like a public personality, something along those lines, like in entertainment or whatever. Entertainment is just a big area where this where this exists, or something like this. What Some capacity? Kind of uh, maybe not necessarily entertainment, but like, uh, something, yeah, something bigger than poker in this sense. I haven't really figured that out yet or do something. I prefer to do something as scalable as possible, like maybe technology or something in business. I'm thinking, I, I, I'm trying to decide what the, what the most scalable avenues are. I think, uh, technology is one, uh, definitely, but I don't really, I, I don't really know the first steps of that, but I'm trying to explore that. And basically in 15 years, I hope to like, you know, have some like major role in how technology affects the world or something like that. Let's, let's hope I can do that. I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's, it's a big goal or affect the world very largely in some positive way. Also uh, a big goal, even though it sounds very simple with the way it's stated. It's definitely a massive, massive goal. And I'm sure that with your network of people, you can get some tech, tech wisdom thrown your way. Um, yeah to help help you reach that but uh yeah man uh that that's awesome and i'm actually a little glad that it's not poker related uh hopefully glad for humanity in the next 15 years too Uh, i hope so too um so where can the uh, chasing poker greatness audience find you on the interwebs uh they can find me on my instagram uh jungle man dad poker or twitter uh Jungle Man Dan. Uh, like maybe I'll start a blog or something. I was thinking about it. Um, but for now, uh, just those places. Awesome, man. Whenever you, you start your blog, let me know. And I'll promote the living bejesus out of it. Sure. Uh, it's uh, It's been great having you on the show. I appreciate your time and energy. It's been awesome, man. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to go on the show too. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, that's, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please take a moment to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. And once again, I wanted to let you know about PKC Poker. If you're on the lookout for a new poker platform where the games are safe and secure and the action's amazing... 
head to enhanceyouredge.com slash pkcpod to get your code and jump into the games. You must have a code to play as well as be 21 years of age or older. One final time, that's enhanceyouredge.com slash pkcpod. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time on Chasing Poker Greatness.